Uh, it's got all the mod cons. Washing machine's only a little over a year old. A gift from my son. And the sofa and everything in the living room comes with the place too. Unless you have furniture of your own to bring. Mr. Steed stopped at this question, leaned on his stick, and turned a querying eye to Sarah. Oh, she said. No, I've not got anything like that to bring. Actually, the fact it was furnished was what attracted me to look at the place. Mr. Steed nodded his approval. Excellent. It'll save me a fortune in storage. Sarah laughed. She liked Mr. Steed, and was grateful that he'd taken the time to show her the particulars of her new property in person. He was very old, but moved much more confidently than she expected given his frail exterior. It was clear that he knew every nook and cranny of the tiny house, and was proud of showing off each feature. It was a small house. The kitchen and living room were crammed together on the ground floor so that they almost spilled over onto one another. On the first floor was a single bedroom, an airing cupboard, and a bathroom. Its best feature was the garden. Like the rest of the property, it was small, but immaculately kept. Despite its size, the house had been decorated in such a way which said, Home. It was kitsch, and a stark contrast to the house shares and studio flats Sarah was used to renting. She had been the first person to view the property, and she couldn't believe the rent was less than what she used to pay for a room in the city. She immediately agreed to take it. Oven is electric, but I can't say I know worth a damn about how to use it. Donna was always the cook between the two of us. Oh, I know that's not a correct thing to say in this day and age, but it's true. Not letting her cook would be like asking Michelangelo not to paint. It was clear that Mr. Steed enjoyed having an audience, and Sarah found him charming. She smiled. High praise indeed, she said. Mr. Steed chuckled. If you'd tasted her Christmas turkey, you'd know that's a fair comparison. Now, when it comes to using a microwave, that's where I really shine. She sounds like a very fine lady, Sarah said. A gleam swept across Mr. Steed's eyes. Oh my goodness, wasn't she just... A lady in all ways. Always a kind word to say about everything. Beautiful. Inside and out. Mr. Steed pointed at the blonde wood upright piano in the sitting room. See that there? She was the sort of woman where you could write scores of songs about her. In fact, he shuffled on his stick across the kitchen and over to the piano. Sarah pulled the stool out for him and he sat down. He laid his arthritic fingers upon the keys and without hesitation began to play. The tune was not one that Sarah had heard before, but it was pretty. Simple and pleasant. The kind of tune that made her think of old black and white films. I'm not a composer, Mr. Steed said. This thing used to be for playing songs at dinner parties or carols at Christmas. But this one? This one I wrote. And I wrote it just for her. Sarah could feel tears welling up behind her eyes. I would have written some words for it, but... Everything I thought of just sounded stupid. 
so instead it's just a little piano music. It's beautiful, Sarah said. She meant it. Sometimes I'd play it when we had folks over, and she would tell me off, said I was embarrassing her. But I knew really there was never a time when it didn't make her smile. Sometimes I play it now, and I feel like she can still hear it. I'm sorry I didn't get to meet her, said Sarah. She would have liked you, Mr. Steed replied. Can I ask, how long has it been since she passed? The gleam from earlier vanished, and Mr. Steed pursed his lips. She died just over three years ago, he said, and scrunched his face up in concentration. We moved here after I retired. Both of us wanted something smaller, so we weren't just rattling around in the family house like like loose teeth in an old mouth. And that was 13 years ago, so yeah, we had a decade here together. Best time of our lives. A question was poised on Sarah's lips, one that she was nearly afraid to ask. If it's not too personal, why are you moving from this place? It's just so apparent that you love it, and you have good memories here. At this, Mr. Steed's smile changed from mirth to amusement. I have found myself some new lodgings at the Martin Pillar Hospice down the street. Sarah's mouth dropped, dumbstruck. I'm so sorry, she began. Ah, don't be, Mr. Steed said. Just be a good tenant for me for the limited time I get to be your landlord. He gave her a wink. Sarah smiled and nodded. That she could agree to. Do you play? He asked her, indicating the piano. Sarah simply shook her head. She had never picked up an instrument outside of music lessons at school. Well, it's never too late to learn. In fact, I think Donna would be happy to know this old girl was still being used. Maybe I'll try it one day, Sarah said. She had an urge to give him a hug, but felt it would be inappropriate given that they had just met. Anyway, I should wrap this up. She can probably hear me playing away, and is no doubt sending me messages through the air to tell me to stop embarrassing her in front of the angels, too. Maybe it was the spring sun, or the excitement of getting familiar with a new town, but Sarah settled into living at Three Bells Street quickly. The neighbours, Mr. and Mrs. Darcy, had introduced themselves within a couple of days and seemed pleasant enough. She found the Polish shop at the lower end of the town High Street made the best bread, and there was a pokey old bookstore just beyond it which could fulfil all of her vintage pulp dreams. In all, it seemed so far away from the noise and hurry of the Birmingham streets that she had always known, or simply resigned herself to. She wasn't even sure if she missed the people there. She realised that the things she wanted out of life were completely different from her friends, like a veil being raised from her eyes, and she didn't know where she was or what she was doing. She had been in her last relationship for three years, and by the end she had no idea what she or her girlfriend had in common. Even their separation was surprisingly underwhelming, 
and those three years amounted to a goodbye, and a couple of boxes passed back between them holding clothes, books, and some hygiene products that would just be thrown away. Bell Street was good. It was a fresh start. She liked the quiet of the street and the friendliness of the neighbours. She even liked the size of the house. It was smaller than most, but to her it was palatial. Aside from a few pictures on the wall, a TV and the sofa cushions, Sarah had left the house almost unchanged. Their bookshelves had enough space to hold all of her favourite books, and enough room to spare for her film collection. There were also several macrame plant hangers scattered through the ground floor, which Sarah imagined were made by Mrs. Steed herself. The wallpaper in the living room was a busy and colourful affair, with a navy base and many assorted birds and flowers on it. To anyone else, it may have been garish, but Sarah loved being surrounded by the colour. She found it inspiring, maybe enough to even start painting again. Mr. Steed's blonde wood upright piano stayed where it had been, but as much as Sarah admired it and loved how it looked in the room, the lid remained closed. Her promise to maybe try and learn it one day had not yet come to pass. As the seasons tipped from the fresh spring to the balmy summer, Sarah took to spending whatever time she could in the garden. It proved to be an effective sun trap, making all of the plants and flowers reach up and bloom in the most exquisite colours, much to Sarah's delight. It was apparent that Mr. and Mrs. Steed must have loved their garden and took great pride in making it as beautiful as it could possibly be. Sarah had developed her own little summertime ritual. She would call her mother whenever she was watering the plants and taking in the sun. There was a day when there hadn't been much for either party to impart, having only spoken to each other the day before, but Sarah enjoyed hearing the sound of her mother's voice. As much as she was reveling in the discoveries from her new town, it was comforting to be able to have something familiar to call upon whenever she needed to feel like she wasn't alone in the world. On this occasion, the call was disturbed by a sound from the living room. At first, Sarah didn't notice where it had come from, thinking that maybe it was from a neighbour over the fence. But then she heard it again. It was a quick sound, heavy and clunking. She thought it had come from the piano, like something trying to open the lid and rattling one or two of the low keys. It came once again, and this time Sarah asked her mum to hold on. She turned and looked through the open glass sliding door into the living room to see if anyone was there. Maybe a cat had snuck in. But she saw no one. The sound came one more time, and Sarah ran to the threshold to see what was causing it. But there was still nothing. She pushed the phone back to her ear and told her mother what was happening. Her mother told her to open the very top of the piano and check the strings and hammers to be sure a rat or mouse hadn't gotten into it somehow and was now doing a tap dance inside. Sarah did so, but found it untenanted by anything other than dust. Her mother then suggested that, if there really was no one else in the house, that the open door must have let in the wind which was jostling the lid and recommended she go inside. Sarah tentatively agreed. Once the door was closed, the sound didn't come again. 
Her mother took that as confirmation that she was correct, and with this, said goodbye to her unnerved daughter. Sarah forgot the event with the piano throughout the course of the day. She had other things to take care of, including an unexpected call about work. So it wasn't until she had finished preparing her dinner that evening that the memory came rushing violently back. As she stepped out of the kitchen, she stopped short, nearly dropping the plate of food. The piano lid had been lifted. She had not laid eyes on the tooth-like keys once in the months that she had been there. The lid had been closed since the day Mr. Steed showed her the house, once he had finished playing his song. Sarah let out a gasp and shuddered. Her eyes darted around the small room, but it was obvious that she was alone. Without knowing what else to do, she ran upstairs to her room, still clutching her plate, wishing to put as much distance between herself and the piano. When she was safely inside, she slammed the door shut behind her. She stayed put the whole night, and although she eventually emerged to use the bathroom and prepare for bed, she refused to go back down to the living room. She was so acutely afraid that she was unable to sleep despite the fact she was exhausted. She checked her clock periodically and despaired at how late it was. She had just managed to get her nerves back to normal and felt the first taste of sleep creeping across her eyes when that same sound she heard earlier emanated through the night. She immediately bolted upright and reached for the switch on her lamp, straining her ears to try and hear more, hoping she had just imagined it. Her friend had once told her how she used to get auditory hallucinations. Sarah hoped this is what it was, her mind playing tricks on her when struggling to get to sleep. Her hopes were quickly dashed when the sound came again, like something inconsistently banging down on the keys. It came faster now. There was something curious about it, as if whatever was causing it couldn't push down with enough strength to strike the note properly. Like a mouse or a cat's paws, just like Mum said, Sarah thought. And she used this thought to bolster her courage. Sarah had always kept an old steel pipe by her bed, given to her by her dad if ever she had cause to fight off an intruder. She grabbed it and put on her hiking boots for added clout should it turn out to be more than a pesky rodent. So armed, she opened her bedroom door and quietly crept towards the stairs. She tried to be silent as she approached, but she couldn't stop the creaks from the floorboards as she walked. It proved to be no matter, though. If whatever was down there did hear it, the sounds did not cease. Tentatively, she moved down the steps, and as the piano came into view, she let out a whimper. There was a man sat at her piano. His back was to her, and he had both hands upon the keys, skirting his fingers over them. He tried to press down on them once or twice, but seemingly couldn't generate more than a soft, atonal jumble. His head looked up and down the keys as if confused, trying to find the right note. Sweat broke out all over Sarah's body. She couldn't see any way that the intruder could have entered. She poised her pipe ready to swing, 
and then made her voice as deep and intimidating as she could make it. Hey, you're not supposed to be here. This is my home and you need to leave. Her voice only trembled slightly as she spoke. Her intruder looked up as if he'd heard something far away, then turned around to find the source of the sound. She recognized the face. Mr. Steed? she said. It was definitely him, although the transformation from when Sarah had last seen him was shocking. He was thin, much thinner than before, where his face had been kindly, full of good humor, and more than a spattering of mischief, he was now drawn, scared, confused, and utterly bereft. He looked as haunted as a man could ever be. He opened his mouth, which trembled with emotion. I... I can't do it, he said in a stricken voice. Mr. Steed, are you okay? Sarah called in an attempt to be soothing. I... I can't... play it. Play what? Your song? He nodded, but his eyes weren't quite focused on her, as if he were trying to remember the notes, visualizing them mentally. She walked slowly down the rest of the stairs, being sure not to let go of her pipe, for as much as she trusted Mr. Steed, she did not know what state of mind he was in, nor how he would react to her. She spoke calmly, patronizingly. That's okay, Mr. Steed. Are you sure you're supposed to be out at this hour? Does the hospital know you're- She froze, her fear rising again. From where she had been on the stairs, she hadn't been able to see it. But now she was closer, she noticed there was a glow around Mr. Steed. Imperceptible upon first glance, but now it was so clear, it was all she could see. She looked at his hands and could faintly make out the lines of the keys through them. Her breath quickened. Tears formed in her eyes. Mr. Steed? Her voice was a whisper. Mr. Steed turned to her again, his expression one of utter distress. I can't play it. She can't hear me. How will she know I'm here if I can't play it? His voice was surprisingly clear, as if he were in the room with Sarah now. I remember how it goes, but my hands don't work. His hands tried to press down once again, and again only the weak jumble of dissonant notes sounded in the room. He let out something between a moan and a sob, Sarah couldn't help but pity him, and the fear she felt subsided into sadness. She won't be able to find me, he cried again. His eyes darted around the room, panicked and searching, taking in things that Sarah couldn't see. Can I help you? Sarah asked feebly. Mr. Steed's brow furrowed with thought. How? He responded after a time. Sarah hadn't fully thought of how she could help, but after a moment, she said, 
if you tell me what to do, I can play it for you. Mr. Steed looked unsure and said nothing. Sarah took another few steps towards the piano and signaled that she wanted to sit at the bench. Mr. Steed took her hint, rose, and cleared the way. Sarah assumed the position. It suddenly seemed like a bad idea as she stared down at the maze of notes under her fingers. She didn't know how she would even begin to play it. She looked to Mr. Steed for instruction, but he was gone. She looked all around the room, but he was nowhere to be seen. Sarah was suddenly worried that he would be back again to do the same thing every night. That poor old man, trapped forever in that frightful state of despair, unable to escape, haunting the piano. She was about to place the lid down over the keys, when her body suddenly seized up. Overcome by a current of frozen electricity coursing through her, it was an upsetting sensation. She felt nauseated and breathless. She watched as her almond-skinned hands moved of their own volition and placed themselves upon the keys. Then she felt an unnatural weight upon them as they pressed down to strike the first chord, clean and resonant. Sarah would maybe have found it pleasant if she were not so stricken by the primal discomfort pressing against her insides like a hundred live wires, so intense that she couldn't think straight. But she could feel Mr. Steed guiding her hands, could hear the old tune he was making them dance out with her fingers, sounding so lovely she couldn't quite believe that it was her hands that were making it. The familiar song, written by a man to his dearest love, sang out, and the room greeted it like an old friend. After a minute or two of playing, she felt another sensation, something warm and soft growing beside her, like a sunrise. Whatever it was, it hadn't been there before, but it was growing brighter and warmer, and the feeling of it peeled Sarah's lips back into an elated smile, and more tears formed in her eyes, this time tears of joy. Then, as quickly as it had arrived, it started to fade. And with it, the cold electric feeling inside her began to dissipate. The weight on her hands eased, and the notes she played gradually became a mess of random, disjointed sounds before they ceased playing altogether. Sarah looked around her living room. All was silent now. All was still. Mr. Steed was gone. She couldn't be sad for him, not with what she'd felt. All the pain and nausea had been worth it for him to play that song for her one more time. To be a beacon in a dark place where she could find him. Sarah looked down at the piano keys, ran a finger over them once more, and stayed in that place for hours, contemplating all that had happened. When she eventually rose from the bench, as the first strains of sunlight shone into her garden, she left the lid open, and made a promise to herself that she'd start taking lessons the next day.